Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome everyone to episode 183 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we're going to talk about some trouble in Lakerland already and some notable scoring performances from the past week. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, and leave some five-star reviews. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well. Pretty, pretty fitting way of describing me there after going, you know, splitting the free throws last night. <laughs> Yeah, and stable is exactly how I would describe him today if you saw that press conference. I did. I did see the yeah. press conference. Yes, he is unraveling, which is both very, very frightening to see and at the same time very, very amusing. <laughs> very stable. The most Very stable. stable. Very stable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're going to start off here with a loaded topic that uh, we, we didn't have a chance to hit last week because it happened... The night we recorded, but we we wanted to come back and revisit this because it was a topic of conversation uh, on basketball Twitter for a while, and also I think just you know I, I have friends reaching out to me to talk about this too. So Derek yeah. Rose, uh, you know, had a fifty point night, career high fifty points in a win against the Utah Jazz. Um, afterward, there was a lot of. <laughs> Uh, people just kind of slobbering all over him. Um, and, you know, that's not just casual fans. It's major media outlets, uh, major journalists. Um, the reaction didn't... There were a lot of people talking about, like, all he had overcome and how this was a redemption story. You know, uh, Mina Kynes of ESPN tweeted out a clip of the announcers uh, of the game talking about that as well. Uh, and, Warren, I know you were asleep at the time the game mm -hmm. happened, but I know you had the same reaction when you woke up that I did right away was, you know, like basically we needed to pump the brakes here because like, yeah, this was a really impressive on court story, but there's also the off court. Derek Rose was accused of gang rape two years ago and right. his, you know, he, his, the appeal of that case is going to be heard next week. Um, yeah. So, just more i mean i think you bring an interesting perspective here you know as a bulls guy someone who was you know one of derrick rose's bigger fans back in the day before all of that happened you know like during his prime before the injuries even after the injuries you stuck by this guy that's a kind of way of you you, you saying when you were young <laughs> yeah we're both there uh but but what was your reaction to this whole situation like how did you feel about you know, not only like him achieving this, but then also the reaction to it. So I had to separate it and I had yeah. to separate it in a very specific way, because here's the thing, um, you know, 
he was uh, yeah he wasn't like what what do you was it what did you call it, a civic trial yeah yeah and you know he came off as you know not guilty and whatever i'm not gonna sit here and say oh i was there that night i know right. i went down and right. i believe this and this i can't right. go i can't go that far because i don't want to go that far mm-hmm. here's what i do know i know what he said yeah. when he was on the stand or whatever you call it when he he said we men so you can assume Mm-hmm. I think that's problematic, obviously, and that's not to drag something in for two years ago. But what I found interesting was, you saw back then that the entirety of Twitter, more or less, was like, "We men? Are you kidding me? Where yeah. do you come off?" And then a bunch of those same people, the exact same people, who on and off over the course of two years were, were like, like reminding people of remember the whole "We men, you can assume" quote. <laughs> What what ridiculous thing to say. And then as soon as he hit 50, everything was kind of forgotten. He was like, oh, my God. Like Everyone was like, oh, my God. We, we always believed in your gee rose, hearts, hearts, roses, emojis. <laughs> right. And I just – so here's where I'm, I'm at. I'm looking at that thing going, you know what? If you don't care about the rape charge and if you don't care about, like, the, the – um, I don't know what to call it, really. Like, the, the, the sexual layers of that whole case and the and – the, if you only care about the sport, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you don't care what what's around the sport, fine. That's that's your prerogative. That's that's what you d- intend to do. I am I'm not going to play judge and jury about that. That's mm-hmm. fine. You do that, but then don't come in afterwards and go. Well, well, we don't know what happened. Like <laughs> right. he still said some things that were objectively horrible. Yeah. So if you're going to comment on that whole trial thing, it wasn't even a trial. It was like. I don't know what you call it. Like you're, you're the American. You have this yeah. weird. It, it was still, a, yeah. I think it, it's still it, it was a, tri- as a trial. Yeah, it's just it but, was a civic or a civil case, right. not a criminal case. So he wasn't being charged with anything. He wasn't facing jail time. He just would have had to pay the electric, exactly the you know the the accuser, uh, however much. I think she requested like twenty one million dollars or something like that. Right, and and that and that that's not that's another point. A lot of people brought that up. Like mm-hmm. it was a civic trial. Like so, so how serious could it be? And like, I just feel that people started to comment on his innocence instead of just saying, "Well, you know what? Let's what we can take away from happened two years ago. What was that? He had a very messed up mindset. He didn't know right. what consent was. Right. He had this idea that being a man, you could assume that you wanted to get laid or whatever. Like he yeah. meant with that horrible sentence, and." You, t- you kind of remove that from the equation as soon as he starts playing well on the court and go, oh, that's amazing. He's the, the, the best you know player I've ever seen. My heart goes out to him, whatever. And he's just like, make up your damn mind. Like, if you want to be all about the sport, that's fine. Then stick to the sport. I hate saying that sentence, but you know what I mean about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then don't twist it up. But if you're a guy or a woman or whatever who's out there saying, well, you know what? I actually care about what happens off the court. Then don't try to score points when he says something like that, uh, you, know, you know, saying the whole we men, you can assume. Mm-hmm. And then when he plays well, just forget all about it. That made me feel that a lot of those people two years ago who sat there and said, that's really disgusting. I felt they were just trying to score easy points, mm-hmm. like social points. Oh, look at me. I'm woke. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted something that night. It was like the FBA is extremely woke until it isn't. And this right, was, this and was, and yeah. that's the exact same. Right, and now you mentioned like the the special perspective, right? Mm-hmm. 
having been a so ingrained in Chicago Bulls culture, I also have a very, very good understanding of what Derrick Rose means to the city of Chicago. Yeah. And I'm not taking any way, anything away from him in terms of what he's done for the city. Mm-hmm. Like, look, he's paid for funerals for so many, you know, murdered children and teenagers. And, like, he's undoubtedly done a lot for the Chicago community. Right. And objectively, that's awesome. So it's it's all about a balancing act. Because mm-hmm. the Chicago people are very much in favor of Rose because of what what he's done for the city. And they are, I think they're weighing it. Like, what, did everything he did for the city, is that, does that outweigh what he said in that courtroom two years ago? Right. And for them, it's an easy calculation. It is, yeah, it, you know, it, it, what he did for Chicago is more important. So I, I don't care about the rape charge, which, you know, you can land on that however you want to. I'm not landing there. You're not right. landing there. Right. And that's fine. And, you know, you're always going to have this weird angle because you just know what he meant to the city specifically. I think yeah. we as a people have looked at Rose very differently if he had come from Chicago but been drafted by, like, yeah, like the Dwayne Wade, Wade route, like drafted mm-hmm. by Miami. Mm-hmm. And played there instead. Yeah. It would have been different. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, just to give people context for the We Men quote, because it, I, I realized a lot of people, like, that was talk- a lot of my friends who don't follow the NBA on a day-to-day basis and were texting me about this D-Rose thing afterward because my wife is a huge, or was a huge D-Rose fan, was a big Bulls fan back when he lived in Chicago. Mm. A lot of people hadn't seen <laughs> the, the details of this. So... That quote in particular was referring to the decision uh, of, the, I think the the uh, lawyer asked Derek, you know, did you guys ever, you and your two friends who went over to this woman's house, uh, did you ever, like, confer about what you were going to do? And he said, no, we men, you can assume, which is basically, like, you know, at one in the morning, if you're, you and your two buddies are going over to a girl's house, you can assume all three are going to have sex with her. Whether, you know, and then later he also, they asked if he understood what consent meant, and he said no. So, right. again, you said it well. Like, we we weren't in the room that night. The only people who were, the only ones who know what happened. He was right. found not guilty in that trial. Uh, <laughs> then afterwards, the jury was posing pictures, or posing for pictures with him, which was not an especially good look. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to render final judgment either way, uh, on what happened. I, you know, I, I could tell you what I believe happened and I think his statements paint a pretty clear picture in that regard. Uh, I would agree. We'll we'll see what happens with the appeal, but even if he's found not guilty, like, (laughs) you know, you said it well, like people who are throwing him out, like, oh, well, this trial find him innocent. Like, oh yeah, the legal system's bad at a hundred. Or, you know, there are a thousand. Like, the legal system always gets it right. Okay. Yeah, and, and, yeah, that, that, really, that's what bothered me, was that the whole, it it seemed like there were, like, 50 or 60 people, like, on NBA Twitter, who over the last two years have made, like, frequent remarks about Derek, used him as a very negative example, and, and rightly so, right? Right. And then just flipped completely because he scored a lot of points in a basketball game. Yeah. And and that's not to say that I don't understand why you become emotional about that because right. 
I mean, look, even even as as someone who really soured on Rose after that whole experience, mm-hmm. there's of course a a small piece of me that that went, oh my god, that is impressive for everything he's been through, like physically and from a purely basketball perspective, it's a hell of a story. Yeah, I think Rachel Nichol- Nichols, she on the jump. I don't remember what exactly she said, but she mm-hmm. kind of made she she painted a very very beautiful picture of the whole situation, saying that we can never look at the situation in the same light because everyone comes from it from different perspectives, right. and that it it is it has become complicated for Rose or for people to discuss Derek Rose, however however you look at it from whatever angle you look at it, mm-hmm. and I think that was just so spot on. Yeah. Well, it, it's Rachel; it's always spot on. She's amazing. <laughs> right. um, but but that's that really stuck with me. I thought she really really put it well into words. Unlike how I'm doing it right now, where I'm stopping because, look, this is you can sense this is making me very uncomfortable because I think the whole situation is very uncomfortable. Right. Uh, look, my my son is still wearing you know Derrick Rose clothing because he loved the T-shirt that I got him for so many years, so that many years ago. Yeah. And I'm I'm still trying to like, you know, if I just take it away from him. Which I want to do. Mm-hmm. It's he's he, I, I can't put him into that world and say, oh, but honey, look, he did this and this and that. He's seven, right? So right. I'm I'm very emotional about this because it frustrates me. So what I've done right now is just hide it in the back of the closet, and then I'm just <laughs> waiting because one day he won't be able to fit it, and I can go, oh, oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah, here here's a new Wendell Carter jersey. Right. <laughs> Actually, he wants one with marketing. Oh, there you, oh, that so, makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I um, mean, it is a really tricky subject, and I think that's why you know, even though it happened last week, it's worth revisiting and worth talking about again because there is no easy answer. And yeah, I was going to bring up that Rachel Nichols segment too. Um, both her and Laura Wagner of Deadspin did a really phenomenal job. Uh, just kind of, I think they both said something along the lines of like. Look, as you said, too, if you're looking at it from a strictly on-court perspective, no off-court, you know, nothing else, just in terms of what he was, all of the injuries he had to had to deal with and come back from, right. and then to score 50 points in that manner, that's one of the best basketball stories of the season so far. Like it's Over really, the past five years, probably. Yeah, like, it is truly incredible in terms of just basketball what he overcame but Mm. then to take it that step further and you know if you're going to talk about what he overcame you have to include the off-court stuff too it's not just the injuries it is also you know this gang rape charge this very believable gang rape charge which he didn't overcome in that sense right yeah 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 and there's you're right there's no redemption from that just because he scored 50 points in an nba game that's the way I wanted to put it, but my vocabulary limited. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, okay, well, I'm glad we had that discussion. And, you know, feel free to continue this with us on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> or, or not. Yeah, please or, don't, please because, God, God I, I had a lot of people in my mentions. Yeah, me too. Yep. And it, yeah, it was uh, uh, that caused me to just leave tw- Twitter for a week, which I've been doing with increasing frequency lately. Yeah, I, I'm... Look, I'm considering doing that as as well on occasion. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm too addictive, Brian. I'm too addicted. 
No, it's I'm telling yeah. you, it's, it's a lot healthier. Just yeah. log off. That's my best advice. You're right. Yeah. I should spend every moment I use on Twitter on Red Dead Redemption Two instead. There you go. Yeah, yep. you'll be you'll be a much happier person, and I'll be a lot better cowboy. <laughs> Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On that note, let's yep. go to the Lakers now. Because there is already some drama brewing in Lakerland. No! Uh, I know. Shocker. So apparently, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Dave McMenamin reported this last week, I believe. In uh, mm. a meeting on Tuesday, following a winless two-game trip, Los Angeles Lakers president Magic Johnson admonished coach Luke Walton for the team's sluggish start to the season. Uh, there, since that happened, there have been some additional reporting. Uh, Ta- Tanya Gangley of the Los Angeles Times apparently asked Walton what he was doing with the team. He wanted to see an offensive system in place that had yet to be implemented. At one point, he chided Walton for interrupting him. Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, which take this with a grain of gigantic salt because it's Stephen A. Smith, mm-hmm. but he, he said Magic is not satisfied with how they look defensively, and he thinks that Luke Walton needs a better coaching staff. There have since been reports coming out that you know Magic has said he's not going to fire Luke this year, and they did respond to this drama with a big win over Portland. That said, they then got absolutely boat raced by Toronto the other night. So, you know, it, look, the the Lakers are 4 and 6 right now, which is again what you know, what we warned going into the season is that they were probably going to start slow. So, yeah. I don't think this comes as a surprise to us necessarily, and they have they have the opportunity to pick up a bunch of easy wins over the coming weeks. They're at Sacramento Saturday, home against the Hawks on Sunday. They've got Orlando, Cleveland, Orlando coming up later this month. So in all likelihood, they're going to be 500 or above you know, by right. Thanksgiving. That said, Mort, how much blame do you think Luke Walton deserves to start this season? Do you think none. He, he is the problem? No, none. <laughs> none. Look, I think we should make a rule. Mm-hmm. You can only blame a coach if you're after the 25-game mark. Mm. It's so early. like, yeah. the, And this happened last week. The Lakers are, let's see, 10 games into the season right now. Yeah. 10. So at that point, they were what? Six? Uh, seven, maybe? Yeah. I think they were seven. Like, who cares? It's seven games. <laughs> right. Like, that is so dumb. And right. I, I like you know. Here's the thing, it's a brand new roster. You just implemented one of the greatest player, at the very worst, the second greatest player in NBA history, mm-hmm. who's a major high usage player into this whole dynamic. You added Rashawn Rondo. You added a new starting center in Javale McGee. Uh, Brandon Ingram got suspended. 
Josh Hart is in his second year. Still, like he's great, but he's still finding out what type of NBA player he's going to be moving forward. You added Lance Stevenson of all people. <laughs> like, come on, if you did not think there was going to be a major adjustment period, I don't know what you set yourself up for. Right. Yeah. I mean, like if if idiots like us could come out and say, "Hey, right, <laughs> this team's it's not going to coalesce right away. It's going to take time." Like. Mm-hmm. We are just two random podcasters and NBA fans. And right, like, and I'm a really big idiot, Brian. So, <laughs> I bet you know. I, I mean, like, it didn't take a world of experience. You just had to look at past precedent with LeBron teams when he switched teams, and you mm-hmm. had to just look at past precedent when you have that much roster turnover. As you said, it takes time to develop chemistry. I mean, right now the Lakers are 23rd in defensive rating, right. so. You know, I can understand being upset with their, you know, with their offense, but at the same time, like, look at that roster. Of course, their mm-hmm. defense is gonna suck. Who's the? You have Javale McGee, and that's it in terms of yep. big men. You know, like, so we we could talk about Tyson Chandler too. Cause we we might as well just do a whole Lakers thing right now. So the Suns yep. have bought out Tyson Chandler. He is going to sign with, or he has signed with the Lakers, I think, officially already. So in he theory, has. he's coming home. Yeah, so he will be backing up JaVale McGee. Do you think he fixes that these defensive concerns, or do you think this is just going to be a below-average defensive team all year? So as before, when we were talking about Derrick Rose, you pointed out you know my Chicago love back in the day and all that. Oh, yeah. I, I follow I follow uh, Chicago very, very closely back when they drafted Tyson Chandler or actually traded Elton Brand for Tyson Chandler. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that was back in 2001. Or he was a, a, a teenager. So I know full well without looking at the sheet that he was born in 1982. <laughs> it's 2018 right now. Uh-huh. I don't expect very much from anyone born in 1982 sure. to be a game changer in the NBA in 2018. I will say as much though. He has always been a hard-nosed professional. Mm-hmm. He knows rotations. I don't think he deserved the all-defensive player the, the year he wanted. However, he was always a candidate, mm-hmm. and that's you know that that's a, a compliment in and of itself. Mm-hmm. He's not that same player anymore because he doesn't move the same way. Way he's lost a lot of his athleticism, but his IQ his IQ is high. He'll make the right rotations. He'll scream out what he sees. Like he's a great communicator, and he's not a problem maker or troublemaker in the in the locker room yeah so that's the baseline you got everything else he gives you like statistically and and veteran leadership wise like that's just a bonus yeah that's just a bonus he's not gonna come and come he's not gonna come in and fix things but he's just gonna come in and provide like a a staple locker room presence while not being a negative factor on the court right yeah i mean the fact that they don't have to rely on him as a starter is big like mm-hmm. I think having him as a backup big for fifteen to twenty minutes a game is only going to improve their defense because it really can't get much worse. Like they have yet to limit a team to less than one hundred and ten points. You know, I know it's right. only ten games, but that's and like yeah, the pace of scoring is up, but that's yeah. still not great. You know, but like, I, I I'll point this out though because teams who are or people who are crabbing on the Lakers and saying oh they're so far away yeah. The Lakers, Lakers have been outscored this year by a total of 11 points. Mm. That's 
you know, that's not a lot. Right. Yeah. I like, mean, they can flip this. And all of their losses are to teams that made the playoffs last year. They lost at Portland, against Houston, against the Spurs twice, against the Timberwolves, and against Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, and they, they beat have, Denver. Yeah, they beat Denver and they beat Portland on the road, which they hadn't done since, what, like 2014, 2015, something like that? Lost, oh, I didn't like, see that stat, actually. Yeah, I That's think interesting. they lost like 16 straight to Portland or something like that. Really? Oh. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, right. so it was a, a, a big win for them. And again, like, <laughs> tonight, this is we're recording this on Wednesday, so tonight they have the Dysfunction Bowl at home against Minnesota. And then again, it's like Sacramento, Atlanta, they've got Portland uh, next Wednesday on at home coming off of three days rest. And then at Orlando, at Miami. Orlando, Miami. At Cleveland. like Oh, God. Yeah. So yeah. they're, they're going to be fine. I mean... I, is Luke Walton the answer? Is this, is this team going to be a championship contender with Luke Walton? No, but that's not Luke Walton's fault. That's this right. roster is fatally flawed, and it's not going to get better until next summer, most likely. Like this was always not. They were never going to beat the Golden State Warriors when you're relying on Javale McGee as your starting center and Lance Stevenson to play a prominent role. And you know you blew money on Michael Beasley, and he's racking up DNPs, like. <laughs> I mean, what do you, you know? What do you want? Like, hmm. this is about LeBron developing chemistry with the young kids. It's about making the Lakers appealing to free agents next summer, and then you know, hopefully in 2019, if the Warriors lose Kevin Durant, then we could start talking about. Oh, okay, maybe you know, depending on who the Lakers add, maybe they'll have a chance. But they were never going to beat the Lake, the Warriors this year. So, but can. Can we talk about the real story here, though? Yeah. This always happens when, you know, general managers or team presidents, whatever, Mm -hmm. gather a team that takes time to gel and fans react negatively to. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, the coach. Yeah. I am so sick and tired of seeing coaches get fired while GMs, and I I realize that I sound like Jeff Van Gunny right now, but... Mm -hmm. In that particular thing, like he he's got a point. Coaches are consistently being thrown under the bus for the weaknesses and bad decision making of general managers. Now, I'm not saying that the Lakers roster assembling is necessarily bad because it's so early. Like right. things can flip and it can become good, and then no problem. Like winning cures all. Mm-hmm. But if these problems persist, and it's in large part due to the assembled roster. Mm-hmm. The fault should not lie on Luke Walton. That is just blatantly ridiculous. It right. should be on the guys who made the roster decision. Look at Ernie Grunfeld in Washington. Look at Garpax in Chicago. Yeah, there's no accountability. Yeah, it's all about hey, let's get a new coach. Right, a new coach fixes everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> as if their bad decision making is going to change with a new coach. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, so yeah. in that sense, I sort of still get the combo like GM, coach role. So we got to provide some level of stability and security. Right. But functionally, it doesn't work. Right. But having said that, you still need to have a proper general manager in place who understands. Oh, you know what? I can actually build around my coach, mm-hmm. and I'm going to empower my coach. Yeah. I'm going to listen to my coach. Yeah. My coach tells me he feels the need. The, the floor needs to be spaced out more. Hmm, then let's not go sign Rashawn Rondo and Dwayne Wade. <laughs> right. 
that that was that that was that was not a reference to anything particular. That was right. Just, well, right. I mean, don't go sign Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, look, if, <laughs> there's a theme there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like Luke Walton, you know, give Luke Walton the Golden State Warriors as he had in 2015 and 2016. He can go 39 and four. Like he's a perfectly fine coach. Yep. Is he? You know, is he at fault for what's going on with the Lakers? Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not Zach Lowe. I'm not gonna pretend I know more than Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe says there's stuff wrong, but a lot of it is above Luke Walton's pay grade. I know what I, you did there. Yeah. I know what you did there. I love that. <laughs> I love that? that so much. A podcast subtweet? Yep. Podcast sure subtweet. I love sure it. Sure is. Yep. Uh, but, you know, like, don't pretend... We call like, that the 10%er. Only yeah. 10% is going to, to understand it. <laughs> and for our perspective, that it's only 1% of our listeners who's going to understand that one. Right, yep. yeah. That's a, that's a deep cut. But if you, if you get it, I, I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah. But, I, you know, like... I'm just not going to get up in arms about Luke Walton in general right now or the Lakers. Like, they're going to be fine. I just, this whole season, it, this I don't know if it's just me and, like, maybe I'm just old and curmudgeonly now, but, like... Yes. <laughs> this whole season has been much less fun for me to follow than most, and I'm having, like, a tougher time than usual getting into the NBA because, like, all of these teams, and maybe it's just because, like, the, the Sixers started slow, the Lakers started slow, Boston started slow, Utah started slow. All of these teams with very easily aggrieved fan bases are starting off <laughs> war, like with lower than expectations. So all of these fans are so pissy, and it's just not fun to deal with and like see clogging your timeline every night. Everyone just needs to chill out. Like... Y'all are going to be fine. Like, every one of those teams I just mentioned is going to be fine, is most likely going to make the playoffs. Just, like, let this season breathe. We're 10 games into it, you know? Like, it is a long season. Look, even when the Dubs win 73 and and 9, right? Yeah. There were there were Golden State fans during those one of those losses or some of the, those losses. It was like, yeah, we really have a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the bench, like oh. we we really need that wing coming off the bench to hit those threes. Like we really have an issue there. Like, shut up. Right. Shut yeah. up. Oh, believe me, I work with a bunch of San Francisco people at Bleacher Report. They are they they are quickly rising the ranks of the insufferable because anytime they don't win a championship, it's just. The worst of friends. Oh, the one time? Yeah. The exactly. one time? Yep. Exactly. All right. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Oh, speaking of pissy fan bases, or really pissy players, let's talk yeah. about the Boston Celtics and Jamal Murray. Uh. So, <laughs> so Jamal Murray the other night goes for 48 points. It's at the end of the game, the, the, net, the Nuggets are going to beat the Celtics. It's, the game is not in question. He shoots a three because he wants to get 50. Mm-hmm. Kyrie takes real exception to it. Throws the ball in the stands afterward, and then gets fined twenty five thousand dollars for it. 
Yeah, I like that one. That's the part I like. <laughs> I do. So here is here's what Kyrie said about it. From a competition and competitive standpoint, I think it absolutely deserved to go in the stance. You just don't play basketball like that. It's as simple as that. You just don't. There's a tradition and a respect within the league as well as in any basketball game. Obviously, you've won the game. You have it sealed. You've had a great game. Game of your life. And you do something like that. It's just, it's petty. It's immature. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Look, you know, <laughs> the guy he makes... who threw a ball into the stands is calling someone else petty and immature. I love it. Right. Yeah, that 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 one right there is amazing. But he's <laughs> and look, he's he did say that in this league, meaning the NBA, that's right. fine. But don't he afterwards said in basketball. Mm-hmm. That's crap. I live in Europe. I'll tell you as much. This has become a recent trend where mm-hmm. young pl- players have begun dribbling out the clock because they see the NBA players do it. But if a 35-year-old guy is on the court at the end of the game, mm-hmm. oh, if he has a chance to dunk on you while they're up 35, mm-hmm. he is going to dunk on your ass. The yeah. game is not over until the game is over. That has always been the mentality over here. And I know that people are listening in going, yeah, well, that's over there. We're over here. We're show respect. Well, yeah, looking at your political system, no, you don't. Shut up. <laughs> you really don't. Yeah. Um, it's a game. Yeah. And the game is still live until the buzzer sounds. Mm-hmm. If you are going to get pissy at a guy trying to get point number 49 and 50... First of all, as Jalen Rose said, you shouldn't let him get 48. Yeah, exactly. Secondarily, I find something, I find a conflict in all of this. So we have a problem with Jamal Murray for one game, for one game, for one possession, actually. For one goddamn possession, wanting to go for 50 points. That's somehow bad. Mm-hmm. But, but okay. over the course of two seasons. <laughs> I know, where you're going with this. Where, where a whole team is just <laughs> Flanking out themselves to let Russell Westbrook glide in to grab rebounds so he can get the triple-double average. That's historic. That's mystical, amazing, brilliant, fantastic. Fuck the fuck off with that shit. (laughs) That is the most... That's horse crap. Come on. That is so dumb. For all that you make fun of me about alienating, like, Magic fans... You really... Yeah. (laughs) There are... I'm surprised your matches are not just... Only Thunder fans. Every time Russ gets a triple double, come at me, folks. I don't care. <laughs> look, here's the, it's. But you look. I have a point here. Yeah. You see how much Stephen Adams and all these guys box out. Let Russ glide right on in there. Yeah. He's stat padding. We For agree sure. on that. Russ is stat padding. Yeah. So stat padding in in the flow of the game is perfectly fine. But when a guy wants to get 50 and stat pats two points at the end of the game, just because it's the end of the game, it's disrespectful. Yeah. What the hell, man? That's uh, dumb. I'm with you. I mean, this whole, like, idea of, you know, there's an unwritten rule and, like, a gentleman's code, basically, where if you, if the game is in hand, just dribble the ball out. I get it. Because, like, this happened with, what, it was Dario Saric last year had the same thing happen. I forget which team it happened against but they also got really mad about it and it's like and dario even said like oh i didn't know this was a thing because in europe right. we just played at the buzzer like yep. I, i'm sorry i didn't mean any offense but yeah and like i get it you know you don't 
you don't want anyone to get hurt on like a meaningless last possession. That's fair. Like I, God forbid, like someone does something stupid and retaliatory or like goes after someone's knees, but who cares? Like, I just don't understand right. why you're getting this upset over it. And look, maybe it's because we haven't played in the NBA and like, maybe we just don't understand that culture. And maybe there really is like an unwritten rule that says, just don't do this. And you know, I guess like even, Oh, Jerome, there is, yeah. but the rule is dumb. Right. And like, it's my point. Like Murray did apologize right away. You know, he he said his emotions took over. No disrespect to the Boston organization, fans with that. Well, shot. Emo- oh no! Hey, look, this is America, Jamal. Emotions <laughs> yeah. have no place here. We're all about logic, right? I was gonna say, we don't, are, no uh, apologies necessary. That that yeah. doesn't apply here. Stand by what you do. Def- defend, defend, defend. I I actually have a story because again, as you reminded everyone, former mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls fan here. Um. This is way back, like, I want to say uh, 10 years ago, maybe more. Mm-hmm. The Bulls played the Lakers. And at the end of the game, Tabo Cephalosha, right before the buzzer, took a jump shot, which missed. Scott Skyler was the coach. He just glanced over at, I, uh, I don't know if it was Phil Jackson at that point. May have been. I don't remember who the, the Lakers coach was at that point. Mm-hmm. Glanced over, raised his hand to say, you know, I got it. I'll, I'll let him know. Mm-hmm. That was that. I remember that because the I, I was on the Real Gem message board forums back then. And that's where, where the whole debate was. There was no article about it. <laughs> there was no, you know, ruhaha. It was all like, you know, hey, was that okay? Was that not okay? That was yeah. it. Nobody went out in the media. It was just a young you know, guy from Switzerland who didn't know the, the code, apparently. A coach raised his arm. That was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Now, everything needs to be blown out of proportion. Right. And just imagine, how many articles do you think came out of Jamal Murray taking that last shot? A thousand? I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure every major sports website had something about it. Had something about the shot, about Kyrie's right. reaction the night of, Kyrie's mm-hmm. reaction the next day, Kyrie yep. getting fined. Like, we're, it's all of this. It's, it's a content creation system it's right you know it's good for the nba in a way because there's always going to be interest but it's also also bad yeah it's just dumb it's like manufactured controversy i'll i'll tell you as much when bruce is drafted number one yeah which undoubtedly he will be because duh yeah right i'm going to let him know that he should not in any way dribble out the clock yeah if he has Run up the score. If 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 very old man Kyrie Irving especially is in the game by then, <laughs> yeah. And Bruce has a chance to dunk on his ass at the buzzer, even though they're up forty eight. Right. Oh, make it forty nine. Yeah. Yeah. Kyrie will, will actually be Uncle Drew by that point. Right. <laughs> and then he, he will be. And then Bruce should look down on and say, "Hey, look, taste my nuts. They're round. You know what round is." <laughs> Oh, God. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on right away. Wow. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's, let's talk. Uh, you know, we did. I had a long day, okay? Yeah, that's. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, it, a couple weeks ago, we did an episode about, like, the surprises and the disappointments from the first week of the season. Um, we're not going to do a full thing of that. But, right. you know, what <laughs> I will say 
if you listen to this podcast all summer, you will be mm. not surprised that the Milwaukee Bucks, Denver Nuggets, and Indiana Pacers are much better than expectations had them. They were all, the Bucks are second in the East, Pacers are third in yep. the East, Nuggets are second in the West. We loved all three of those teams dating back to the summer. I, we still don't understand why people slept on them, but Agreed. If, if you listen to us, congratulations, you were ahead of the curve on those. The one team that, I don't know if we slept on them necessarily, but uh, who I, did? I, I in particular, uh, mm. I just I was not high on in terms of my interest of them or my opinion of them was mm-hmm. the Portland Trailblazers, and they are making That's them right. look very bad so far. At and who was high on them, Ryan? You were you 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 were high on them because you thought their rookies were going to play. All right, fuck it. That's actually fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that one. God yeah. damn it. Yeah. yeah. All right. But they're 8-3, and three, third in the Western Conference right now, mm. despite barely playing their two rookies. Gary Trent has played seven minutes. Seven minutes. Anthony Simons has played three minutes. So even without these two marquee contributors, they're third in the West. But <laughs> I mean, more, they, they've beaten the Lakers, the Spurs... The Pacers on the road, the Rockets on the yeah. road, the Pelicans, the Bucks. How seriously should we take this team? I still think, and I think you agree with me. Like their their maxed out potential as they are right now is probably the second round. Yeah, but but I will say this: if they get to the second round, if they reach the second round, that is a victory in and of itself in this loaded Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So that's not a lost season. I know they would look at it that way. It's very similar to the the podcast we had several months ago in terms of when we were discussing the Houston Rockets. Like they have some different expectations upon them compared to what their fans have and, and whatnot. Like, you know, if you're one game away from the, the NBA finals again, you know, they would look at it as a major loss and, and, and but but you know, realistically we would look at it as a very successful season because, you know, Golden State. Right. Um and I think that is the way, the same light we should look at Portland in, in regards to the second round. Yeah. I mean, if they make it there, that's a good year. And I think they have the, the potential for it. Yusuf Nurkic is playing a lot better. Like, he's playing like the the post-trade Yusuf Nurkic. Mm. He's slimmed down a little bit. He still needs a little bit more slimming down. I, right. I He's a little bit too slow. But, I mean, he's playing under 25 minutes a game, and he's putting up 15 and 10. Mm-hmm. In in virtually a half of basketball, yeah. However you want to slice it, I know that he's a big man. I know that he's not, you know, Carl uh, Anthony Towns going out there shooting forty four percent or whatever he did last year. But that's in, that's production that you can be proud of. That's production yeah. that contributes, and more importantly, that's production that creates you balance because mm-hmm. it was very guard heavy before. Now you need to to find some production in the front court, and you did with, with Nurkic and Zach Collins, my boy. Yeah, yeah, I like I mean, it. I, I look. I mean, they've had a great start to the season. I think, in retrospect, like they'll, we were probably too low on them in terms of where we had them seated. I think I want to say both of us had them eighth in the West. I, I yeah, I, I think I I went with you on that one because. We at that point we were looking at Minnesota. No, Minnesota. Did we, did we have them out? Yeah, we had Minnesota out. 
Uh, I think we had them in there with a caveat of if they figured out what to do with Jimmy. Uh, I, I know we had Warriors, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, right. Pelicans, Lakers, Thunder, and I think Portland was eight. Le- Lakers. We were talking about the Lakers could slip. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they could realistically uh, trade places with Portland, theoretically. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but I didn't... Way, we had right, we didn't block. expect them to be third. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, and look, like, my, my feeling on Portland really hasn't changed. They're a good regular season team. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to win somewhere between 45 and 50 games. Right. I don't know that they make it out of the first round. I, I don't think they fix the fundamental flaws that New Orleans exposed in last year's playoffs. And I don't know how they can or will between now and the trade deadline. So a lot of those same concerns exist. That said, I mean, they are getting some good minutes as you said, Nurkic and Collins are playing well in the front court. Aminu is mm-hmm. doing his thing as just like the do-it-all glue guy. Uh, Stauskas and Curry off the bench are giving them some nice offensive punch. Um, yep. So like, you know. Jake Lehman? Yeah, so as you said, they, they could make the second round, and I think that should be a successful season for them. You know, even dating back to the summer, like before, before the Raptors blew things up, I was going to write an article and then the Raptors blew themselves up, so it defeated the purpose. But the Raptors, Wizards, and Blazers all struck me as teams that were kind of at that crossroads where right. do you blow, like you all three have these like all star caliber backcourts. You had Kyle Lowry and DeBar DeRozan, John Wall mm. and Bradley Beal, Damon CJ. All three of you are relatively capped out. Like you can't make any major free agent acquisition. So the question is do you blow it up or run it back? Toronto chose to blow it up. They get Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Now they are just destroying the NBA. And right now probably look like the best chance of anyone to beat the Golden State Warriors. So that was one death. The Wizards and the Blazers decide to more or less run it back. I mean, the Wizards, you know, trade Gortat for Austin Rivers, get Dwight Howard in there, assign Jeff Green. The Blazers kind of overhaul their they were complimentary cast, their backcourt, especially with Stauskas and Curry, and get rid of Shabazz Napier, get rid of Ed Davis. Um, but they, mo- you know, more or less like you're standing pat with, if you're the Blazers, Dame, CJ, Nurkic, if right. you're the Wizards, Wall, Beal, Porter. And now we're seeing like the divergent paths for those teams. It worked well for the Blazers so far. The Wizards, on the other hand, are just a toxic mess. So now and you know why? Team chemistry? That That is one thing, certainly. Damian Lillard. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. That too. Yeah. I mean, he he, he continues to get better every year. He's the best of the bunch. Like, we, yeah. we, I mean, you know how high I am on the potential of John Wall. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is he doesn't produce to, to the level of talent that he really is. Right. Dame? 
Look, but by the way, I should just note Terry Stotts actually lowered the minutes of most of the supporting or the most of the rotation players. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you looked at the numbers. Like, Dame is the one guy on the roster who averages over 33 minutes a game, and he's yeah. actually only at 33.7. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read you a stat. In 371 minutes this season, Dame has scored 294 points and dished out 60 assists. Man, that's wild. That's, that is wild. I mean, I, it's not James Harden level, right? but it's damn close. Yeah. And that we need to like look at what he's doing. Like he's averaging seven and a half free throw attempts again in in less than thirty four minutes. Yeah, he's scoring twenty seven a game. Like he he's almost a point per minute player right now. Yeah, I mean he's shooting almost ninety four from the free throw from line. Like, yeah, yep. Like almost forty seven overall. He has a true shooting percentage of 62 from the point guard position, taking that many threes and getting to the line. He he is becoming one of the most efficient and, and one of the most well-rounded offensive players in the league. Let alone, I mean, let alone point guards, just in the league. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's not one of those guys who have the same mental makeup as John Wall where everything has to be toxic. Like, yeah, right. Dame is demanding, but he's also a nice guy, which... <laughs> surprise, surprise, players respond to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was like back a couple of years ago, he misses the All Star game a few years, and it was like, oh, is Dame like the most overlooked player in the NBA? Like, now I just don't see. Look, the West is absurdly stacked, mm-hmm. but I don't see a way he misses the All Star game this year, do you? No. Look, okay. Look, he he's a three time All Star. The two years that he didn't make the team in 16 and 17, mm-hmm. he should have been an all-star. Look, right. He was like the, the top snub both years. Oh, absolutely. Look, he ended up averaging, tw- in the one year, like 2015-2016, he averaged uh, 25.7 assists. The next yeah. year, 27 points and 6 assists and 5 boards to boot. Like, yeah. Look, this dude should have been an all-star every year after his rookie season. Mm-hmm. So I get the slight. Yeah. He's also only a three-time All-NBA player, which, frankly, I also deem kind of low. Yeah. It's be- I, I, I don't know what it is. He just keeps getting overlooked. Like, back in the day, we were all laughing at him a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, here comes Dame with, you know, another chip on his shoulder. <laughs> right. And now I'm looking at it like, damn, dude had a point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of it, especially both All-NBA and All-Star comes down to team success, even though you can mm-hmm. make the argument that it shouldn't necessarily come down to team right. success. But the fact that the Blazers just, you know, in two years ago, before they traded for Nurkic, I think they were under a 500 team before, like heading into the All-Star break. Yeah. So that, you know, that just killed his candidacy there. And then last year, they just, they should have been better than they were, at least in terms of, you know, expectations coming off of that season, coming off of how they finished the 2016-17 season. So, also, like, the West, you know, the West is just really stacked. Like, it's, it is hard to overcome <laughs> Westbrook, Curry, Harden, except Chris Paul, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, here's a hot take. Oh, boy. Dame is better than Russell Westbrook. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> God damn! You really want no, but, Thunder players, Thunder yeah, fans no. to destroy you. 
No, I I really don't. Be, or, or you know, <laughs> you know, you're more than welcome to try. I'll yeah. just point out how horribly overrated your franchise point guard is. Oh boy. No, but come on. Can can you honestly tell me that's not a debate though? <sighs> yeah, I guess it's it's at least like I would still have Westbrook, but it's why? Because he's just more. I Ener- think energetic. He could just the way he takes over games, like if Dame like Dame could do that every night, and if he did, I think it'd be even closer. But like when Westbrook goes into like one super man, mode, yeah, like one man yeah. wrecking ball and like plays in control while doing that, right? I mean, I I just think there are two or three players in the NBA. Maybe I guess you could say like LeBron, Durant, Curry, and Harden. Are the only other players in the NBA? Maybe I guess Giannis, Giannis is AD. Yeah, God damn, AD. There, there are a lot of good players. Even Kawhi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah, the, I do. Like, the, when he gets into that mode, like when he was his MVP season toward the end of that year, when he was like putting up 55 point triple doubles, like and buzzer game, beaters. Yeah, there was like one yeah. game against Denver where he just single handedly destroyed them. Yeah, and so like. So yeah, I mean, unleashed mode, he's better. Yeah, right. But he has like he has those like in one of fifteen games. Yeah, well, if now, that now with the ankle injury, who knows? Well, oh, 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 well, I'm taking the larger picture here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get what you're saying. Like the the uber top level of each of their games. Like right. yes, Russell Westbrook is more impactful. Right. But is that what counts? I mean, he's been playing better this season. Overall, like he's been playing more in control. He shot fifty percent from the field. I mean, he's right. only played seven games, but in five of his seven games. Yeah, I'm is... not taking a seven game sample. I'm looking yeah, at the. I'm looking at the past like three or four years. I know. Statistically, I know. Russell Westbrook blows Dame out of the water. Yeah. But again, we've talked about you know stats, right? And how they've been perceived. I know I'm coming off as a Russell Westbrook hater. That's not my point. Yeah. I love watching him play. Right. I don't. I don't hate any player per se. That's yeah. not. I just. I just think that the fascination of Westbrook is overshadowing a lot of players like Damian Lillard, right. who deserves more of the spotlight. And I legitimately think that Dame is a better player. I would feel more confident having Dame run my team compared to Russ because he's just more solid. There isn't this volatile change in production. Yeah, I mean that. I think you can make you can definitely make the argument that you know what you're getting out of Damian Lillard more nights than you know what you're getting out of Russ. Like there's yeah. always there's always the, the chance of a bad Russ night, quote unquote, like that could single handedly undermine your team. Whereas like, right, a bad Lillard night doesn't happen until the playoffs, more or less, right. <laughs> I would, and and that's a fair point. That's yeah. a fair. That's something that you should take into consideration. I'm not like trying to shy away from that. Right. Here's the thing, though. If you look at the last two seasons of Westbrook, not including this one, like the two last full seasons, the, mm-hmm. the MVP year and the one he had the year after, mm-hmm. like there's a drastic change. So I would even go as far as saying Russ can have off seasons. Yeah. That is volatile to me in terms of production. Yeah, I think. This year, again, it's very small sample, but it seems like he's taking slightly fewer threes than he was before, which, 
you know, I, ideally he would just hit those threes and then he could take them all he wants. Like, Dame is clearly a better shooter, so in yeah, the yeah. modern NBA, the way it's played right now, like, he he helps space the floor much better than Westbrook can. I think if I'm looking long-term, I am more nervous about Russell Westbrook because once his athleticism starts to fade, I think he could have a decline very similar to what John Wall is experiencing right now. Um, is, is that a, is that a decline you think, or is that just a lack of interest? <laughs> that, that therein lies the question. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a little bit of both, honestly. Uh, but Westbrook also, like I know, again, it comes down to consistency. But when engaged, he's a much better defender than Dame. Yes, but here's the thing again: yeah, when, engaged. when engaged, yeah, yep, yep. yep. I, I, do we agree that the Russ and LeBron are on a similar level defensively now, where they they just don't turn it on. <laughs> yeah. You know, Until the playoffs. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, they take seasons off defensively where it's just... And, and I want to give Dame this, and Zach Lowe pointed this out as well a couple months back. You know, Dame tries. Yeah. He's, he's not... Like, he's got the Zach Levine issues of not just... He's just not a smart defender. Mm-hmm. But unlike Levine, like, he's... He really tries i yeah. mean he's whenever he finds himself oh i'm out of i'm out of where my positioning he looks around like a wild goose going oh, okay where where oh there, there's my guy and then just sprints toward him like every ounce of him is really trying to be engaged mm-hmm. and trying to figure out okay where's my guy especially off the ball right i i feel that matters yeah that matters like that rubs on off on teammates in the right way like here's a guy who has an issue, but is working his ass off to actually try to make up on it. Whereas if you have a guy who's got the capabilities, and you can point to John Wall as well in this part, who's just standing there and yeah. going, nope, <laughs> that's a destroyer. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, look, I think just the way OKC is built right now, like I, I think both of those teams have built around their stars correctly or like wisely like okc assembled a bunch of low volume offensive players because they knew russ is going to take 25 shots a game so we don't need a carmelo anthony we need a jeremy grant and that yeah let him feast off of offensive rebounds and like easy cuts to the basket and you know let's let russ be that full-time focal point whereas Mm. the blazers are like hey we have cj mccollum who can also handle the ball we yeah, we want guys off the bench. We want Stauskas and Curry, who can also do a little something. Something we don't need. We like Dame is a good off-ball player. Dame is a much better off-ball player than Russell Westbrook is. So let's put him in those situations. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if you put like here's the question: if you put Dame on OKC and Westbrook on Portland, who affects the win total more? Dame. Here's the thing: the three-point shot. Yeah, with with Paul George specifically, like mm-hmm. I have been wanting to see Damian Lillard play with a legit small forward slash power, like a legit yeah, yeah, big yeah. wing. Yeah, he and, and Paul Adams. George. Yeah. yeah, undoubtedly, Brian. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting question. 
Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Uh, all right, let's wrap things up with the rookie class, Mort. You wanted to kind of revisit how they've been doing the first couple weeks of the season because, I mean, so far, look, if you had a top 10 pick with a few exceptions, you're pretty happy. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm happy. Look, I, I, this, this is just Pulp Fiction. We happy? Oh, we happy. Yeah. yeah. We happy. Look, uh, I told you before, it's so important that this class becomes good mm-hmm. because next year, outside of, you know, Sion Williamson, who I actually, I actually have some concerns about, we'll take that in a later episode, uh, and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, there's a major drop-off. You know, it's just not projected to be a, a, a very deep draft. A lot of the guys who are going to be projected to do, to get drafted in like the uh, you know the eight, nine, ten area with uh-huh. under normal circumstances. This is according to Sam Bassini, who I trust <laughs> very sure. much, and I and from what I've seen, I think he's probably right. They they would be drafted in the twenties in a normal draft, so it's uh, top heavy, but okay. everything else is just down yeah. down the list. So I'm really really optimistic about this particular draft class you look at deandre aiden you know 16 11 he's been a much better playmaker than anyone really thought like he's been passing the ball very efficiently um even marvin backley i'm just taking like the draft slots marvin Mm -hmm. backley has come in provided energy he's not like we talked about him previously like he's not much else else than just a an energy scorer at this point Mm -hmm. but that's that, that does serve a purpose and he's not a bust which, right. at the very least, is good. I mean, there was some concerns. Right. But he's coming in there and averaging 13-7 and 7 in 23 minutes a game. And, you know, he's active and he's rolling to the rim. The Kings do need to find a way to use, utilize him just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But that will come in time. Like, he's played 10 games. I'm not yeah. worried. Then my boy, <laughs> Luka Doncic. Yep. Um, like, before we started recording, Brian, you and I talked about if we merged the 2017 and the 2018 draft, mm-hmm. there was a legit chance that Doncic would actually go first. Yeah. yeah, He's that good. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, we were saying the, the only guys in contention aside from that would be Tatum and Donovan Mitchell. Right. Knowing what we know now. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, obviously, Markel Fultz would have been in there, uh-huh. uh, theoretically. Sure. But, yeah, yeah. Doncic, as good as advertised, obviously, um, I'm 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 basking in the ignorance of Twitter. Going, <laughs> oh my God, that dude is actually good. Who yeah, knew that should have? That's so fat. surprised. Yes, yeah, I saw I saw a guy say, "Wow, the match really got lucky." And I I was I was on, I was at the train station waiting for my train. I was just like I had a whole tweet just formulated. I was just thinking like, nope. Not worth it. I'm going to get into like a thing that's going to last seven hours. Not going <laughs> to just delete the tweet. But, oh, no, no. They didn't, yeah, you know, fortunate about getting, 
Yeah. Yeah. They got the first fat guard who could play basketball. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Raven Felton is jealous. Yeah. Jaron Jackson? Um, I think you and I were pretty spot on with Jackson yeah. in, in terms of, you know, we're, we need to let him develop a little bit, okay. but even so, like he's still averaging 11 points a game. I didn't expect that. I thought he would be much lower on the statistical scale, but he's, he's doing well. He hasn't hit from the outside as much. He's shooting 16%, but that's not a, something that he's bound to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, he's got a pretty good stroke, and it's just a matter of time and maturity. And I'm very, I'm, I, I have not been lessened on the thought of JJJ. No, How about you? No, he had a monster game against Golden State the other night. Fifteen yep. points, six rebounds, and five blocks in thirty-two oh, minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, look, this Grizzlies team is just in a weird place right now because they're kind of in like limbo with right. like Conley and Gasol are on the older side. They don't have much in terms of young talent, but like Jaron Jackson Jr. is a building, a long-term building block for the Memphis Grizzlies, or he should be. Oh, he will be. Yeah. Um, then another guy we were, you know, preaching patience with. Yeah. Trey Young, and I just want to clarify something because a lot of people thought that we weren't high on him. Mm-hmm. That was never the case. It was just a matter of actually giving him room to breathe. Because, you know, he's a slight point guard, mm-hmm. and he needed to time to understand, oh, th- this league is a lot more athletic, it's it's a lot bigger, it's more physical. And you and I were on, on the, the idea that he needs a half a season or maybe a full season to really understand the physicality of the, of the NBA and, and to become that player that we all think he can be. And he's king of our asses right now, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it took him 10 games to figure out the NBA. Yeah, 19 points, 8 assists, um... Yeah, his three ball is going to get better, only 29% right now. But, like, he's hit some major shots. Yeah, I mean, he's demonstrated, like, it's cliche to say Steph Curry range because there's only one Steph Curry. But, like, he is not afraid to pull up a few feet behind the three-point line, and he Mm. does have that type of range. He's not Steph Curry, obviously. He's not hitting at that high of volume. But he, like, he has that range. As you said, his three-point shot is going to get better, or at least efficiency is going to get better. That was mm. the thing we were really preaching patience on. We said, like, look, he's going to put up big numbers. I'm not – I mean, did I expect 19 points and eight assists right away? Maybe not, but, like, also look at that Hawks team. Who else is scoring the ball, especially with John Collins out? So That's true. So right. what we were preaching patience on was his field goal percentage because we thought that – especially on a bad Hawks team with not many offensive yeah. threats. We figured that was going to hover in like the high 30s, low 40s. The fact is at 43.6%, that's exceeding my expectations. It is. And and a part of like his true shooting percentage is almost 54. It's still slightly below league average. Mm-hmm. But for a rookie point guard who's 20 years old, yeah. we'll take that every day of the week. Yeah. What was impressed me the most is, you know, he got to the line a lot at Oklahoma. That was the one part I was re- very concerned about him translating that to the NBA again because of the bigger players, the physicality, and you know him being able to absorb contact. Being you know six two one, you know he's listed at one eighty. I'll believe it when I see that. I think he's a lot closer to like one seventy or one sixty five. Right. Um, he's getting to the line almost five times a game. Yeah. That is so huge for a guy like that. Mm-hmm. 
being able to get to the free throw line, it seems like that has been, you know, that was always the mantra, you know, ever since the 80s. If you can get to the free throw line and you can generate points, that's the biggest thing. Then, you know, this new HNBA began, the three ball became king. It still is the king, <laughs> increasingly so. But there's still tremendous value in being able to get to the free throw line. Like, yeah. that's not something you should forget about. Those For are sure. free points. Yeah, that's like all Joel Embiid's entire offensive game plan this year is predicated on just get people in foul trouble and go to the free throw line a lot. Yeah. All right. So, Mo, Mo Bamba. I, I'm not disappointed because, again, it's been 10 games for him. Right. And we also recognize it's going to take him some time. Yep. He's shown that he can be a, a, a game changing shot blocker because of not, you know, he's got a crazy 7 foot 10 wingspan. He's hit five threes, which is really encouraging to me. Like, <laughs> I thought he would begin, you know, taking threes. I thought it would take a while for him to start hitting them. Mm-hmm. Like, fair enough. He's only shooting twenty six percent, but that's encouraging to me. Like, yeah. he's when he takes them, it's it feels that he's fully aware of what he's doing. It's not some oh, do I need to shoot? Like, there's no hesitation in that sense. He's I don't know what you more threes yeah. than Markel Fultz. <laughs> there you go. Um. I, I, I don't know where I land on him yet because he's had his ups and downs. Yeah. But overall, I like the potential. Yeah. I, I just think it's uh, until the Orlando figures out this front court log jam, like he was never right. going to put up big numbers this year. But yeah, I, I think long term, I'm not at all concerned about him. Right. And now comes Wendell Carter Jr. You know, <laughs> I was very high on, on him. Um, this is the reason you wanted to do this whole segment. No, basically. it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I just want to mention him. Uh, he he's been outstanding as well. Like he's yeah. changed the entire Chicago defense. Um, he started really slow, and understandably so. A lot of people were kind of concerned. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of issues finishing around the basket. Mm-hmm. That's a problem because you know you're six ten and you're big, and part of it is he's just not going off strong enough. Defensively, however, and in terms of passing the basketball, I dug up some stats a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and. He is the only. Uh, ever since he and Joel Embiid are the only rookies in NBA history to have an assist percentage and rebounding percentage over sixteen, hmm. a PER of of over eighteen, and a block percentage of over five. <laughs> this is the new age NBA where you have to have everything in your arsenal. You have to pass. You have to rebound. You have to block shots, and you have to score. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that. I don't yeah. think he, he's never going to be Joel Embiid. Just don't. Right. right. But I do think that he can end up being actually better than Laurie Markkinen. I think this mm-hmm. could be the guy moving forward that could actually be Chicago's, you know, big hope. Yeah. Well, I, I think just having that defensive fulcrum goes a long way. And, like, frankly, Mark, the potential of he and Markkinen together is really intriguing because that frees marketing up to not have to worry about protecting the rim as much. Like Wendell Carter mm-hmm. is just going to be your shot blocker. Marketing can come swoop right. in on the weak side because he's also a seven footer, but yeah. he doesn't need to force it. Like they don't need to shoe him, shoehorn him into being a five full time, which I don't think he would be defensively. Yeah. I never liked that idea. I, a lot of Bulls guys were on the whole marketing is a future five. Right. I, I don't think he is. I think he's one of those f- you know, with the pure force, yeah. that really there aren't many of anymore. Right. But he can play spot minutes at the five. What yeah. I really like about the pairing is with Carter there, you know, like you said, 
Markkinen can actually free roam a little bit. Yeah. And I think he's got some potential in that regard. Yeah. So now comes something interesting. Yeah. You know, we were talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, mm-hmm. you know, their struggles and all that. Yep. Colin Sexton. Yep. You know, apparently the team is very low on him. And I, was, I was about to ask. There's the report from Joe Varden of The Athletic right. where here's, here's the, the silver bullet of the quote is, throughout the organization, the line on Sexton is that he does not know how to play. He doesn't know how to defend the pick and roll. He doesn't know how to set, team, set up teammates right. as a point guard. Yep. Uh, they're not wrong. <laughs> having having said that, though, he's 19, right. and he he has this tremendous ability of finding seams in the defense, mm-hmm. which you can't teach. That's mm-hmm. just like an innate ability to understand like holes and in, in, you know pick and roll coverages and all that. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of scoring the basketball, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if next season he started scoring 20 or 22 a game. From a scoring standpoint, this guy could be tremendous, especially at slashing his way to the to the rim. Mm-hmm. Like he's getting to the free throw line a ton, and he's also knocking them down at ninety one percent. Yeah, like he's going to be one of those kind of throwback slashing big point guards mm. who who have to work on their outside shot a little bit. Right, but this guy, from an offensive perspective, maybe he's being, you know, built wrongly. You know, maybe he's not a one. Maybe he's just a pure two. Mm, interesting yeah i mean that's th- yeah i like i understand the concerns about him yeah look at his teammates though like oh yeah, at, yeah look at who he's playing you know you can't evaluate colin sexton without the context of like look at he, who he's playing next to i mean mm. hey jr smith would you be my mentor i know you once <laughs> killed a guy but right. hey jr smith who has been told twice that you were going to be out of the rotation completely. Can you come help me out? Or like, hey, George Hill, who's not going to be on the team after this year. Uh, can you teach me how to defend the pick and roll? Great. Like, Well, George apparently offered I him know, yeah. to teach defense. But, yeah. but then they have no faith that he's actually going to listen. Yeah, I mean, no. look, there, there are some real concerns about... If, if I'm a Cavs fan, I'm just worried that like what we've said about the Kings, like organizational dysfunction will... Mm ruin him but like as a player i think if you put him on a different team we have a far different evaluation of him right now i just think the Cavs are such an effing mess that right he had no chance and again like being put in into a wrong position at a very early age can really affect your nba career yeah i mean if they really view him as a point guard Mm -hmm. then they need to have like a playmaking you know wing like lebron (laughs) <laughs> right. ironically yeah. um, to, to make up for it I, I think they should just run him off the ball I just think you should look at him as, as a as a two guard just run him through pick and rolls like just have him or sorry run off the ball like have a high pick and roll and have him you know move off the ball and, and like go behind some back screens or whatever come off the upper side and then get the ball and slash the rim like maybe use him a little bit like younger Dwayne Wade mm. Yeah, the problem, in the same sense, the problem is like who they have George Hill, and aside from that, like they need him to play point guard. They just don't have anyone else. That's true. And, like they have, you know, they have Chetty Osman, they have Rodney Hood, soaking up minutes at the two and the three. Like those, right? In theory, are the the whole roster, like the roster composition, is just a disaster. So right, not much hope in terms of Colin Sexton this year, but long term he'll be fine yeah. if he gets out of Cleveland. 
So I'm gonna skip Kevin Knox because yeah. he only played. He's only played four games. Um, there's just he's 61 minutes. Just not enough data. Right. Oh, and I should clarify, like there's not enough data on any one of these guys to get like a, a firm picture of who they are. But so far, it's been optimistic. Yeah. Mikael Bridges, man, he's been good. Yeah. I mean, we knew he was NBA ready, and we understood that he wasn't going to come in and play 35 minutes right off the bat, though. But he can come, when he comes in, he contributes. He plays 18 minutes a game. He scores seven. He's hitting the long ball, mm-hmm. and he's doing a lot of these small, you know, putting the, those one dribble things. Like, he takes one dribble after a fake, and then he puts up a jump shot, or, or his long reach will get him and lay up. Like, he's doing smart NBA things, as we all expect him to are you sad that the that the Sixers traded him away? I mean, I was sad the night of the draft. I, like, let's, right. let's see how Zaire Smith looks once his foot isn't broken anymore, and let's see what happens with that Miami pick. But, look, he would have been a great fit in Philly. I thought he's a great player, Like he's yeah. and he's ready to go right away. I mean, I, with that, the jury's going to be out on that trade for a few mm. more years, but... I'm like I'm happy to see him doing well, and frankly, I hope it leads to Trevor Ariza getting bought out so he can join the Sixers. Oh, that's a good angle. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Ariza on the Sixers would be fun. Yeah. So let's wrap it up with the last two. Yep. Shai Gilgis Alexander and Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. who were traded for one another. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Shai. This dude just plays um, a very controlled game. Mm-hmm. Like, for, I saw his debut against Denver when he came in. Like, you know, Denver loves to run the pace and control the pace. He came in and he was just like, nope, nope, yeah. not everyone just, you know, everyone on my on my team do not just rush down and, and you know, walk into their trap. Mm-hmm. Settle down. Let's set up the offense. Like, because he knew the players that he had around him. And that's that's been a thing throughout his early NBA career. Like, he... He's a legitimate point guard. You know, we, we looked at his frame and we, we were both at draft time going, oh, he's, he's going to end up at two. Right. No, I don't. I think we were wrong. He is a clear-cut point guard. Like, he is one of those guys who controls the tempo, calls out plays, runs the sets, and just initiates everything. Mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah. Yeah, he's been really fun. He's, I mean, we said the Clippers are in a weird spot just because so many of the guys are in contract years and we just don't know what the composition of this team is going to look like after this year. Right. He's a keeper. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like he even he even corrected a, a turnover issue. Like he in, early in the season he was just turning the ball over in weird times and like just made bad passes. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like he just course corrected himself almost immediately going, "Oh, you know what? I made that same dumb pass two times. Let like let's I'm just not going to do it anymore." Yeah. Like, for yeah, most yeah. players, like it takes like half a season to understand. Oh, here's a pattern. Like he understands it immediately. I, I'm really impressed by his IQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling that we are going to see shy on on many a MIP list next year. Oh, for sure. Even though we know better, yeah. voters don't mm-hmm. look in second year players. But yeah. yeah. Final guy, Miles Bridges, a dunking machine, and. A surprisingly good three-point shooter early on for for Charlotte. I've been I've been kind of pissed that he hasn't gotten any more minutes. Mm. He's playing just under twenty. Yeah. I don't know how much Charlotte you've caught this year, but he's been fun. Yeah, no, he he's good. I, I mean that dated back to summer league, right? 
Yeah, I did. He looked like he looked ready to go, and it was that like he he was looking like a potential draft day steal going back that far. Nothing has changed my mind since then. He's he's gonna be fun. I what I don't understand is like again playing him twenty minutes a game. Yeah, he's one of those weird guys you can play. Like there, there's only a handful of guys in the league that you can play both at the two and the four. Uh huh. Like usually you have a guy who plays the three who can play the four, right. or a guy who can play the two and who can play the three. Like he's one of those weird guys you can play from two to four. So I feel like there's a lot of minutes there available mm-hmm. that he can sort of sneak in and take, but he he just hasn't gotten them yet. Maybe it's you know rookie concerns. Maybe it's just like him having to earn it at practice. I don't know. But what I do think is by the end of this season, there is. No way he shouldn't be getting like 25, 26 minutes a game at the yeah. very least. This guy deserves to be a major contributor. And I'm going to go as far as saying if he continues this path that he's on, I actually think that could change the mindset of Kemba Walker just a little bit. Assuming, you know, he was considering leaving, which we don't know. But if he were, right, I would probably look at the guy going, oh, you know what? I actually have a ball right here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he made. Be will- Kemba may be willing to stay either way, but yeah, having yeah. having a guy in Miles Bridges may help make that pitch easier for Michael mm. Jordan and company. Um, Any rookies you want to highlight? I, yeah. I know you have Josh Okogi. Maybe yeah, maybe? really quickly. He, I mean, look, they need to just trade Jimmy Butler and like Okogi's gonna be, <laughs> like put him in the starting lineup. He's gonna be fine. Like he's filled in for Butler whenever Butler's sat out <laughs> these random games. That he's just like, oh, my body's sore. Jimmy Butler, like <laughs> Iron Man over here, is all of a sudden is like, ah, I don't know. So, but 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 Akogi's yeah. been really good. Uh, I you know we were we were both high on him heading into the draft. We really liked the pick for Minnesota. Just yeah. trade Jimmy Butler. Like just just end it. Like the stupid Timberwolves team is just really gonna ruin Carl Anthony Towns because they keep Jimmy Butler around for half the season when they. Don't need to, or maybe well, Carl Anthony Towns ruined Carl Anthony Towns, but that. And the yeah. other guy, I'm going to come off like a homer, but Landry Shamit. I mean, oh, then I'm going to support you. Yeah. I'm going to support you. I He's good. I didn't get the pick at all on the on the day of the draft. I thought it was just like it, it came out of nowhere. But you know, because there were guys like Akobo was still on the board at that point. There were a couple other guys who I really liked. DeAnthony Melton was still on the board, so mm-hmm. I felt like it was kind of a reach, but. Yeah, I mean, he is shooting the damn lights out. Like, he he could be, I mean, they need him to continue shooting the lights out because yep. they don't have much in terms of shooting outside of J.J. Redick. But, you know, Redick's getting up there in age. He almost left the Sixers this past year in free agency. I don't know what his right. future holds. Shamit's good. Like, Shamit, hopefully he will be a long-term shooting fixture coming off the bench for the Sixers. I like him. What's funny is, you know, J.J. Redick actively took a, bed, uh, a locker room role right mm-hmm. next to him, right? Yeah. I, I think I think Shamit was placed uh, next to one of the guys, like one of the two-way guys. Mm-hmm. And Redick actually went in and said, nope, yeah. nope, that's going to be my rookie. Yeah. And you can, you can see it because yeah. he plays a lot like Redick. Right. Like coming off screens, they run a lot of the same plays for both of those guys. They do. Yeah. I think Philly realized, oh, he's a two. Like, he was right. used as a one right. at Wichita. And, like, he's coming in here and just, like, <laughs> assists? Fuck that. I'm shooting. 
Yeah, I mean, he's been, in terms of volume, he's been their third best three-point shooter. Uh, yep. In terms of percentage, second best behind only Robert Covington. Like he's, right. he, I mean, he's shooting half as many threes as Redick, but he's hitting them at a slightly higher clip. But like the Sixers only have three guys hitting threes above 40, 35% yep. right now. Like they badly need him to continue really asserting himself more into the rotation as the season goes on. There's a reason 73.5% of his shots are threes. Yeah, yeah, they need it. They really they need, need it. it. And, and like, we'll, we'll get into the whole starting rotation debate in a different episode because I don't have the, <laughs> the energy or the patience to deal with that right now. But mm. assuming Redick does eventually go into the starting lineup, the balance will be will make a lot more sense because then you'll have either Redick or Shamit on the floor at all times. In theory, that you know that should help the floor spacing a little bit. But, I would agree. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, all right, well, that's a good place to wrap up. We will be back soon, hopefully with the Jimmy Butler trade podcast, but who knows with the Timberwolves <laughs> dragging their damn feet. Uh, but in the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, and leave some five-star reviews. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and as always, I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. Uh, I'm looking forward to all the Knicks guys in my mentions for not mentioning Mitchell uh, uh, Robinson. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Good to be good. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a... I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying, it's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hey, um, you've been sitting in front of that fan for a while now, Deborah. Yeah. You want to talk about it? No, I'm good. You sure? Because your lips are looking pretty chapped. That's life on the open road. Well, yeah, it would be, but we're in an office building. It's hard to be without your bike, so do something easy and protect it with Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. With basic policies as low as $75 a year, you'll be back on the road in no time. Visit Progressive.com to quote today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.